Open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11, page 1007 in the blue Bible in front of you. We've been working our way through the book of Hebrews with the theme, You've Been Warned. We've seen several significant warnings that we've received from God's Word about how we are to live our lives. This morning I want you to see a strong connection between what God has done in our lives and our response to what God has done in our lives. We've looked at who Jesus is. He is God's last best word for our salvation. He's the only way. And we've seen how God has done so much for us that we might have eternal life. For the next three Sundays, today and two more Sundays, we're going to talk now about our response to what God has done for us. And it's important that you see the theological point that God does His work before we do our part. We don't do anything for God in order to get God to love us. God has already demonstrated His love for us before we were ever born. Even while we were yet sinners, Paul said, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for us because we were good enough. He died for us because we needed somebody to die for us. But now for the next three weeks, we're going to say, okay, now that we've committed our life to Christ, what does it look like? What should happen in our life? And this is key. If your life doesn't change because of your commitment to Christ, what kind of commitment do you have? If you're basically living like good people in the world, then basically you're just a good person in the world. We're not called to live there. We're called to live a committed life to Christ that looks significantly different from the world. We're going to see that this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to begin by reading the first 10 verses. There's a lot here we could keep going, but you get the point within the first 10 verses. We're also going to refer to some other verses later in the chapter during the course of the sermon, so keep your Bibles open. Beginning in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, Abel still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended for having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. Beginning in verse 1, the writer defines for us what faith is. Look at that. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The first thing that we see about faith is it's an assurance. It's a, it's an assure, I, I really, really believe this, right? If you were to loan me $10 and I were to say, trust me, I'll pay it back. Would you have any assurance? I don't know, alright? Let's look at me, okay? Assurance is more than just a strong desire. It's that settled, next thing, conviction. It's a conviction about things not yet seen. And if faith doesn't have assurance, if it doesn't have a conviction that you believe what you haven't seen yet with your physical eyes, but I believe it's going to happen, that's faith. Faith can see what doesn't exist yet. Faith also, in this passage, we see, seeks God. God, we're told in this passage that we just read, rewards people who seek Him. Interestingly today, 80%, I just saw this statistic yesterday, 80% of Americans when surveyed said they believe in Jesus. 80%. I can trust you, 80% of those people are not in church today. 80% of America is not in church this morning. They believe in Jesus, but they're not seeking God. What kind of faith is it that you say, I believe in God, but I'm going to do nothing to seek Him? Faith is an assurance of things not seen, and it seeks God. Jesus even told us that if we seek, we will find. If you want to find God and you seek Him, you will find Him. That's a a promise that we have in Scripture. But many people today have this silly idea that they can believe in God but then have nothing to do with God. How is it better to believe in God, but then live like you don't? Do you honestly believe that if you were to stand before God, God's going to say, well, you didn't live for me, you didn't seek me, you didn't do anything in my kingdom, but you know, i got to give you credit, you did believe in me. How absurd that Almighty God in heaven is so pathetic All he really wants is for people to believe in him. Well, in our hearts, we know that that's just not true. By faith, the writer says, also, we believe that the world that we see right now was created out of nothing. Now, stick with me. He said, we believe this by faith. There's a lot of people today, good 
well-intentioned people who are trying to prove that evolution is wrong. And they're trying to prove that God created the world. Only problem is, the Bible says we don't believe it because we know it. We believe it by faith. You know why? Because you weren't there. How do you know? We don't. How can we prove it? We can't. We believe it by faith. So quit trying to prove it. It's not going to work. You can't do it. We can never prove that God created the world. We believe it by faith. But then, chapter 11 spends many verses talking about specific people in the Bible who had faith and what they were commended for. They were commended because of their faith and what they did with their faith. Let me give you three quick examples. Number one, the story of Noah. Noah is held up as an example of faith because when God warned him that there was going to be a judgment that was going to come, the whole world was going to be wiped out, what did he do? He built an ark. When did he build the ark? When the water was up to about right here, right? He's like, when the water got all the way, he's like, man, I start, better start building the boat. It's no, he started building the boat when God warned him, not when it started raining. By faith, he saw rain before rain had ever happened. Now stick with me. Not before that rain ever happened. Before Noah, did you know this? It never rained. Ever. The world was, was moistened by a mist. It didn't rain until after Noah. The rains that we see today came at that point. Before Noah, it never rained, ever, once. And God said, I'm going to destroy the world by water falling from the skies. And Noah says, well, I better build a boat. And he did. Can you imagine Noah running around for 120 years telling people that it was going to rain? And people's response was, I don't think it's going to rain. You ever looked out in the weather? Yeah, I don't think it's going to rain today. It wasn't that they didn't believe it was going to rain. It was that, what's rain? Well, you see, water's going to fall from the sky. And they're like, Noah, have you taken your medicine today? Faith caused him to believe that something was going to happen that had never happened before. And he built a boat because of it. The second example is Abraham. Abraham is that really old guy who had a son when he was 100 years old. God told him when he was 75 that he was going to have a son even though he'd never had any kids up to that point. And God blessed him with an heir and from his grandson comes the 12 tribes of Israel, comes the whole Jewish nation, and from that Jewish nation comes Jesus, our Savior. All started with a promise to Abraham who's a 75-year-old man who's never had kids and he believed God. That he was going to be a father. And he became a father. He saw something that had not existed before this. That he would be a father. But also, this same Abraham was told to pack up and leave his home country and move to a new place. And he did. Years later, after his son was born, then God says, yeah, by the way, I want you to kill him. And Noah's, or excuse me, Abraham's response was, say what? And God said, I want you to take that son that I've given to you. I want you to go up this mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. And you know what Noah did? He took him up the mountain to sacrifice him. 
Third example, Moses. Moses is that guy that after God's people had spent 400 years in slavery, he went into Pharaoh and said, by the way, God wants you to let his people go. To which Pharaoh said, say what? And he kept going in plague after plague and saying, listen, let God's people go or bad things are going to happen. What do we learn from these three examples? You see this again and again with other examples. But what do we learn from these three examples? Number one, from Noah, we learn that faith causes us to do something really, 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 really big. Building a boat that takes 120 years, big enough to hold all the animals by faith, that's huge. Can you imagine people as they walk by? What you building, Noah? A boat. For what? Going fishing? No! It's going to rain. What's rain? Well, well, lots of water's going to fall from the sky and it's going to drown everything. Sure it is. Sure. Noah's faith was not just in some academic, I believe this is going to happen. His faith caused him to do something big that took 120 years. Now, do you know how long 120 years is? It's 119 years plus one. It's long time. It's as old as Mary Rollins is. If I keep saying things like that, I'll never make it to 120, will I? It's a long time. And he kept building, he kept building. You gotta believe after about 80 years, Noah's like, God, could you let it rain just a little bit? Just show me I'm on the right track here. Give me something to verify that I'm not nuts. Because everybody that walked by said, Noah, you're nuts. Why are you building this big boat to prepare for rain when it's never rained before? Faith causes us to do really big things. You see, for many of us, faith is about trusting God for our stuff, what we need, what we want. When we're unemployed, we'll say things like, I am trusting God for a job. When we're sick, we'll say things like, I'm trusting God that I'm going to get better. Is there anything wrong with these examples? Of course not. But that's exercising faith over our stuff. What about faith for God's stuff? What do we learn from Abraham? We learned several things from Abraham, but what I want to focus on today is simply when God told him to leave his country and move to a new place. Faith moves us from here to there. For too many of us, we have faith in God, we believe in God, but we're stuck where we are. We don't believe in God's power to do what God says He's going to do. Remember Zechariah, the guy we looked at at Christmas last year, who God, through the angel, told him he was going to have a child in his old age? And he said, well, how will I know this? And God says, well, you won't be able to speak for nine months. That's how you'll know. 
Right? Abraham wasn't that way. He believed God. He trusted what God said. Even though he considered his own body and he looked and he said, I'm an old man. But if God says this is going to happen, I believe it's going to happen. But we find ourselves today stuck where we are. We know God doesn't want us to stay there. But our faith doesn't get us to move. Abraham heard God say move. And you know what he did? He rented a U-Haul. He packed his stuff. And he moved. We claim we believe in God, but we stay where we are. Now I want you to look at verse 8. This is huge. Verse 8 says he moved not knowing where he was going. You know what that is? That's called faith. God said move and I'll show you later where you're going. I'd be like, no, I want to know where I'm going first. I want to be able to call the Chamber of Commerce and check on the schools and, and prices of houses and, and taxes and all that other stuff. No. Not knowing where he was going, he said, okay. right? Can you imagine going and telling your wife, yeah, we're moving. Where? I don't know. Women, how many of you would be okay with that? Your husband comes home and says, God told me to move. Yeah, where? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there, I guess. Right? Start packing. Would you do that? We learned from, from Abraham this tremendous faith that moves us. Third, Moses. From Moses, we learn that faith causes us to leave the comfortable, to take chances, to take risks for God. You understand, when Moses was born, there was a, a, an edict that went out from Pharaoh that all the little boys, the baby boys, were to be killed. And Moses' parents looked at him and they said, well, he's a good-looking boy. Well, what parent doesn't think that? But by faith, they really believed that this child was special, and so they hid him, remember? And Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him and took him home. Moses was raised in the Egyptian culture, right? And you know who the Egyptians hired to raise him? His own mother. It's one of those divine things where, where he was adopted by Pharaoh's family, but then he was raised by his own mother. But he was then considered an Egyptian. Later on in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're told that he made a choice to identify himself with the Hebrew people, his people, versus being identified with Pharaoh and Pharaoh's people. Knowing that his people, the Hebrews, were slaves. And so he chose to leave the comfortable life that he had been adopted into so that he could be associated with God's people, the slaves. And then when God says, oh, I need you to go and to talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, to which Moses said, say what? And God says, no, I'm serious. I want you to go in there. I want you to tell him that he better let my people go. And so what did he do? He went and told Pharaoh, you got to let the people go. You understand that the first time that he went in, that would be scary. Not knowing how Pharaoh is going to receive this. But then plague after plague after plague kept raining down on Egypt. And Moses kept going back in. I wasn't kidding. You really need to let these people go. Right? 
But as it went later and later in the story, Pharaoh was getting madder and madder. And Moses was risking his life more and more to keep going back. Until the final time, Moses went in and said, listen, all the firstborn are going to die. And I won't be back. And Pharaoh said, you know, you're right. You won't be back because if I see you again, I'll kill you. But he had been risking his life up to that point every time he went in. Faith costs us significantly. It causes us to take risks. We're so often focused on what we want from God, what we want God to do for us, that we're not even looking at what God wants us to do for Him, for His work, for His kingdom. Now, what happens when we step out in faith? What happens when we begin to walk this costly life of faith that moves us from here to there? Well, we can expect to be hated and persecuted. The Bible makes no bones about it. When we live for God, when we live the way we're supposed to live, when we walk in faith, doing what we're supposed to do, we will be hated, we will be persecuted. We often ask the question, why are we not persecuted in this country? Why are Christians being beheaded? Why are they being killed in other parts of the world? But we don't see that today. And we'll often say, partly true, that it's because we have religious freedom here. That is partly true. But the biggest reason why we're not persecuted today is because we're not living a life of faith. We're not challenging our culture. We're not living the way that we should Telling them the truth of God's word. We just want to kind of peacefully coexist. Let them do what they want to do and they let us do what we want to do. Why aren't we being persecuted? It's because we're not stepping out in faith and building really big boats and having people walk by and say, what you're doing? We're building a boat because God's going to judge the world. That's what I'm doing. Right? People wouldn't want to hear that and they would take it out on us. What does faith look like? Faith keeps going even in spite of opposition. Think back to verse to, to uh, week three in this series. Remember? We talked about falling away and people who leave the faith. True faith keeps going. If you fall away, you didn't have true faith. You didn't have biblical saving faith. But now we need to think about something else that we see in this passage. Verse 34 tells us that some of these faithful people who believed God, they escaped the sword. Those are some great stories, aren't they? Verse 34 said that by faith, they escaped the sword. And then verse 37 said, and some of them were killed by swords. What? Then you look in verse 33. It said that some of them stopped the mouths of lions. Remember the story of Daniel being thrown in the lion's den? The lions didn't eat him? We love stories like that. And yet, in the first century, we know historically that many Christians were fed to the lions. And you know what the lions did? They ate them. Some were saved from the sword. Some were not. Some were fed to the lions. Some lived. Some didn't. In this passage, we're told that some were freed from prison and some weren't. We have this idea that when we have faith in God, everything's going to work out. Guess what? Sometimes we have faith 
and you die anyway. But that doesn't mean that your faith was misplaced. That just means that God doesn't always do what we want. Faith is not some magic spell that will cure all problems. And that's what many people, they they struggle with this because they really, really believe that good things are going to happen to them and bad things won't happen to them. And then when something bad happens, they'll say, I lost my faith. Hmm. How can you have faith in God that nothing bad will happen to you when the person that we're following was killed on a cross? Did you really think that God was going to allow Jesus to die on the cross, but nothing bad could happen to you? Faith does not say that nothing bad will happen in our lives. Faith says we're going to trust God even when it does. But what's the application for us today? Let's bring this right down to where we live right now. The key idea that we want to answer today is what is faith? What is faith and what does it look like in our lives today? And from what we see in this passage, we see that faith acts. Faith does something. If your faith doesn't cause you to do something that you wouldn't have done if you didn't believe, then what good is it? One more time. If your faith doesn't cause you to do something that you wouldn't have done anyway, what good is it? And most of us are basically, in our eyes, good people living good lives like other good people in the world. That's the way we see ourselves. But how would you live any differently if you didn't believe in God? Would you suddenly become some really bad person? Probably not. We have this idea that we can have faith that doesn't move us, that doesn't cause us to do anything big, doesn't cause us to keep pursuing Christ in the face of persecution, And we tell ourselves, but that's okay, that's faith, I believe in God. To which the writer of James, James, the the half-brother of Jesus, he said, by the way, even demons believe. He said, you believe in God, whoop-de-doo. He said, even demons believe in God. And look what it's doing for them. What does faith look like? Faith looks like action. But faith is also a confidence. Acting like what is there, is there, even though you can't see it. It's walking with confidence. If you're walking and you don't trust the floor to be very secure, be very safe, you're going to walk very carefully. You're going to put a little weight on it, a little bit more, and step by step, test it out. But if you have confidence, most of you, when you walked in this morning on this concrete floor, you weren't walking in here testing the concrete to make sure it's going to hold you. Okay? Because you had confidence in it. It's concrete. I'm not going anywhere. Right? But walking by faith is walking on a floor that you're not sure about as if it's concrete. Believing and assured that it's going to hold you. Now, what does faith look like Here at New Life. What is faith supposed to look like right here, right now? See, that's the problem. We've not been challenged enough to step out on faith and to begin doing really big things for God. For most of us, our big thing to do for God, you're doing it. 
you're in church. But if we were truly living the way we're supposed to, walking in faith, we'd be more mission-minded. We'd be focused on reaching other people for Christ. Not just here, yes here, but also in other places. To make sure that the God that we believe in, the Christ that we've come to, to, to trust, is someone that we tell them about so they can have that same opportunity. You see, if we truly believe in God, we will take the God stuff from being off the burner to putting it on the front burner of our lives. How many of us, when we look, we've got all this stuff cooking on the stove of our life, we just don't have room for God stuff. At best, God gets to be on the back burner while we're doing all of our stuff on the front burners. But if we truly believe in God, if we really have this confidence that God is who He really is and He wants us to do what we're supposed to do, we get stuff off the stove and make room for God's stuff to be on the front burner. You see, faith is the difference between staying clean and sober versus going back and relapsing. Because if you truly believe in God, you truly believe in the power of God to help you make right choices day after day after day. Faith, you see, gets us from here to there. It just doesn't believe that we can get from here to there. Faith gets us there. You see, if we're staying in the same place but saying, but I believe I can get someplace else, how is that any different from somebody who stays in the same place and doesn't believe they can get anywhere else? Right? I believe that God can make a difference in my life. Yeah, what difference is God making? Well, not much. Well, good. You got faith. What's the purpose of having faith that doesn't move us? That doesn't do anything? Now, set the Bible aside for just a moment. Not that the Bible's not true. I just want you to set it aside in your mind for just a moment. I just want you to use common sense for just a moment. Do you really believe this morning that God's highest purpose for your life is that you simply believe He exists? You see, for too many of us, faith it's not much different from just a really, really strong wish or desire that something will happen. I really, really, really want that new job, and so I, what I say is I have faith, but what I really have is a strong wish. I don't have a settled conviction that God's going to provide for me. It's just a strong desire. We say we have faith, but it has little or no impact on the way that we live our lives. We choose to do the things that we want to do, and we don't do the things that we choose not to do. And we have convinced ourselves that trying to live basically a good life and coming to church makes us good Christians. But really, what are we doing for God? You see, the ark didn't get built because Noah was a really, really good guy. The ark didn't get built because Noah was a really, really good guy who went to church. You know how the ark got built? It got built by a guy who did it one board at a time, one nail at a time. Moses didn't stand up with courage to Pharaoh 
because he was just a really nice guy. Or because he went to worship services. We have defined faith down so low that having faith simply means you believe that God exists. And yet Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, he said you could move a mountain. And we look at that as really big faith. Missing the point, Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very, very small, he said you can do something really big. He said that was not an example of having big faith. That was an example of having little faith. But it caused them, you could do something really big. Which begs the question this morning, what mountain are you trying to move for God? The highest form of Christian expression today for most of us is attending church. Yeah, God calls some people to be missionaries to China or Africa. God calls some people to be pastors. But for most of us, just the average person, God wants to go to church. And if you do that fairly regularly, you're a good person. Now, as you look at this list, and we just looked at three of them in this, but there's a long list in chapter 11. This is called, often it's referred to as the roll call of faith. All these great movers and shakers in the Bible. Here's a question. Do you think that God would put your name in that list? Because you're a church attender. Whoa. Right? I don't know that I want to go to heaven and talk to Moses one day, talk to Noah one day. Man, those stories, I think that was great what you did. You built an ark. And Noah looks at you and says, what would you do? Well, I went to church. You can see Noah just rolling. Really? Yeah, but I had to listen to Pastor Wary, and some of those sermons were brutal. (laughs) Getting through them, that was was life-threatening. Right? Do you really believe that church attenders, when that's all we do basically, that we belong in that list of people who have faith? You see, those people in Hebrews chapter 11, they actually believed that God was worth dying for. And some of them died for Him because they thought He was worth it. You see, for most of us, when we live out our faith, our faith is just trying to help me get through today with my stuff. It has nothing to do with God's stuff and accomplishing great things for Him. It's just I'm trying to survive with my stuff. And maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be a little bit left over that I can give to God. A little bit of time, a little bit of money, but I just need to hang on and pay my bills and do my stuff. And I believe that God's going to help me do that. Amen? And that's it. And we've defined faith so far down that to us, we're super Christians practically because we trust God to help us get through the day. But you understand, Noah did not build this ark as a part-time job when he got some time. 
Our faith moves us to do big things for God. Why do you think I'm here in Michigan? I'm from Illinois. Why do you think I'm here in Michigan? I can tell you it's not for the weather. Right? I'm here because God told me to come here to plant a church so that you could hear the gospel. So that you could be raised up in the faith. We've been going through this series. You've been warned. Well, folks, you've been warned. You've been warned. You can comfortably go through life as a church attender thinking you're doing great. Only to stand before God and have God say, whoop-de-doo. Because God did not send His Son to die on the cross so that we might have eternal life so that we could just go to church on Sundays and then live our life the way we want the rest of the week. We are called to step out in faith to put it all on the line for God. And when we won't live for Him in the smallest ways, how do we honestly think that we have faith? We just have some vague notion that God exists. But simply believing that God exists is not enough. And our prayer today is, God, give me faith that moves me. That causes me to go from where I am to where God wants me to be. Because I don't know about you, but I am sick of being where I want to be. I want to be where God wants me to be. Amen? And when we have faith and say, God, move me. Give me the courage to do something big. To risk it all for you. Because saving faith is what pushes us beyond the comfort zone to do this. To live by faith. Faith is walking in what you can't see as though what you can't see is already there. Look at your life and point to one thing that you're doing by faith. That you're stepping out And you're walking in confidence even though you can't see it yet. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning that you would cause to ring within our ears the words of Hebrews chapter 11 that say without faith it is impossible to please you. God, Your Word doesn't tell us that it's difficult to please You without faith. It tells us that it's impossible to please You without faith. And yet, God, we have been offering You so many things other than faith. We've been trying to please You by doing everything but the one thing that You say we have to do, which is have confidence and assurance and faith in You that causes us to do big things, that causes us to move from here to there, to take risks. And God, forgive us for our meager, meager faith that says all you really want is for us to believe in you, to believe that you exist. And I pray that within the heart of this church, within the heart of, of your faithful people here, you would fill us with a vision of that big thing that you want us to do.
that we can look back years from now and say, that is what we did for God by faith. We weren't content to just be church attenders. We weren't content to just sit on the sidelines and watch other people do it. God, we want to do it for you because you're worth it. Give us that vision of what it is you want us to do and give us the faith to begin to start walking in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.